decision. Yeah. I want to win championships. I want to win bowl games. And what else is better for you to do than your city? The power of home represents something. The DMV, like you try to explain it to people that aren't from there, and it's hard to explain it. That thing we talk about, Maryland Pride, is real. And today, we're going to play with Maryland Pride. He's going to go! Touchdown, Maryland! The Terrapins have one last shot at winning this game. Three seconds, two seconds, one second, throws it off. And he got it! And the Terrapins win at the buzzer! Stevie Francis, showtime. Oh, Neil, what a play by Bias. Holy cow. Maryland hits the road to beat Penn State. Maryland pulls off the upset. They have defeated number one, and the celebration is on. And the kids have done it. Maryland wins their first ever national championship. Holding up Indiana, 64 to 52, and let's listen and look at the celebration. Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. And others host college sports and recruiting podcasts. You're listening to IMS Radio at InsideMarylandSports.com. Your hosts, Jeff Ehrman, Paul Douglas, and Larry France. Hello, fellas. Welcome to our first postseason show, off-season show. Oh, man, that hurts a little bit. Well, all but four teams, it's it's off-season now, so. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. You know, I... We had a lot of fun after that West Virginia win. I think we all knew going into the Alabama game that was going to be a tough matchup. Um, it ended up being a tough matchup and, uh, <laughs> and a tough game. Um, but again, that's fine. It's, it's, it's hard for me to feel so bad about this season the way it went. I mean, in the end, being able to pull together a roster that can go and make it to the round of 32, you know, have a pretty good regular season, you know, that really great beginning of the season – and being able to show recruits, especially um, that, you know, there's a new sheriff in town. Um, I think there's a lot of positives that came from this first year. It's just a bit of a bit of a shame that it that's over. And uh, it didn't end necessarily on the on the highest note, but I guess we're used to that. <laughs> the recruiting is going to be a big theme in the show because we have a pretty interesting guest today. Harry Geller, who runs the men's basketball NIL collectives, plural. Entrepreneur in residence at the Smith School of Business and member of the Board of Trustees is joining us. We're going to ask him a lot about Maryland's NIL situation. I know a lot of people have some questions about it because it seems to be shrouded in a little bit of mystery. So we'll try to dig into some of that, figure out how it works. Um, Yeah, that game, Alabama, I had a bunch of people over to the house and I got a Lido pizza. The pepperoni and sausage, those those are the best toppings there. They they have very good pepperoni and sausage, don't they? It's, it's people sitting in the sex pods. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um actually uh a couple oh, a couple kids did. Um, oh like, well that well that's ooh. awkward. It's like eight it's like <laughs> uh, beforehand. <laughs> it's like eight eight-ish people here. 
And I hope you hope you wash those cushions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, we had the Lido pizza and it was all Maryland fans. And for the first three minutes, it was great when they were up nine to two. And I ate a lot of pizza, put on a lot of weight. But oh, oh, my my weight update. I am down now. 21 pounds. Not bad. It was 15 the last time I gave you an update. I think it was like three weeks ago. So. Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks ago. Uh, since the beginning of the year. So about three months, almost three months. Very good, man. It's all incremental. That's the thing. Like everything what? else. Yeah. In the past, I've had insane. Like, I, one time I lost 45 pounds in four months. And another yeah, you time, just crash and burn though, inevitably. Yeah. You try to do anything, you yeah. know, turbo hyperspeed. This one's going slower, but, you know, hopefully it's going to last longer than, right? I just don't want to, I want like I said, I want to have, I want to have like three more decades at least and, uh, and have a healthy, happy three decades and not weight issues all the time. But that's uh, way more mature than, uh, than what I'm looking at. So thank you. Uh, the uh, congratulations in the chat room. Thank you very much. I got a long way to go. I'm still considered obese when you look at those BMI calculators. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I have to lose like whatever. 60 more pounds to get in. The this cal- what obese, is going on? It's got to be like 90% of people who are obese based on those. Yeah. Or like, I, can like- lose, I can lose 25 pounds and I'm not a skinny guy, but I could lose 25 pounds and I'd still be obese on those damn things. Yeah, I feel like the calculations were made in like the 1800s or something when like, <laughs> yeah. you know, no, like everybody was eating beets and like, you know, stews and stuff. And like, they'd yes. yeah, there was there was there was no like processed sugar, corn syrupy crap that's in everything that we eat now. Like, I mean, they they want you know, I'm, I'm almost six, three and they, you know, to be not obese, I need to be like 170 pounds or something ridiculous. Right. I haven't been 170 pounds since like, you know, the Bush administration I and mean, get the fuck out of here. The first one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry for the tangent, but I do like giving the update because it makes me feel good and focus and like, okay, I got a show coming up. I got to make sure I lose a few pounds before the you show. You should. It's hard, yeah. man. It's really hard to do yeah. that stuff. And it takes a lot of self-control and, uh, and you should feel proud about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, not doing it because I don't, I don't have any of those things. So. Well, I've been, I've been very focused the last three months. I'll say that. So there you go. It's been good. Yeah. You know, it's not one of my crazy 10 pounds a month paces, but seven pounds a month is pretty solid. So I'll take it anyway. Where were we? Oh, yeah. Watching the game and eating pizza. Yeah. I allowed myself the pizza that night. But it was, you know, it was good that the opportunity was there for me to invite people over. In the beginning of the year, we didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah, that's part of where I'm at. I mean, I've said most of this season and Hoagie's giving me shit all all on the boards about it. And that's fine. But like I didn't consider this season something I was really going to be judging Willard based on or feeling like it's like a baseline setter for the program because he had to cobble this roster together out of church guys and a couple guys out of the portal and just kind of, you know, with some Elmer's glue and duct tape, make it all work. And the fact that he made it work as well as it did, I think is commendable and says something about his ability to coach basketball and instill an attitude amongst some kids who mostly played for Turgeon, who was a very different basketball coach, whatever pejoratives you want to throw in. Can I jump in right there real quick with what you just said? 
At Seton Hall, he did exactly that. Mm-hmm. So at Maryland, he did the same thing he did at Seton Hall. Now, this is not what Maryland fans want this kind of season over and over again. It still remains to be seen. Can he go from this and take a team into elite status and be a Sweet 16 Elite Eight Final Four contender? Completely agree. And I, th- I think in the end, while I didn't consider before the season this being a baseline, if this ends up being the baseline, it's not bad. That's okay. Right. Yeah. If the, if, if this type of season is what kind of we come to expect is the floor, that's all right. The next step will be, can he recruit the talent? Can he recruit the type of talent that's going to be able to progress in the tournament, which is honestly a, a lock that Maryland hasn't really been able to pick other than two years for all of our lifetimes. Right. I mean, how many times I was thinking about this the other day, I can't think, other than uh, the first Final Four run where Maryland was what, what were they, a four or three seed? Three seed. Mm-hmm. I can't remember Maryland playing above its seed level in the NCAA tournament other than that year. I mean, other than weird stuff in the first round, like a 10 over a seven or a nine over an eight. You they know. did the one other year they did exactly that when they beat UMass. They were a 10 seed. They beat St. Louis and UMass. Joe Smith, Booth's freshman year. That's a good There you example. go. So that's two. There's two. Yeah. But since then, they can't play above their seed level. If they're a four seed, they're, they should be in the Sweet 16. Most of the time, they're not. Anything below four seed, they should be out by the Sweet 16. They almost always are. So I think part of it. Under is, Gary, they did. Under Turgeon, they didn't. I don't think Gary. Well, they, yeah, they had, Gary had something like five Sweet 16s yeah, I guess in pro- addition to the two Final Fours, right? So, yeah, I guess I haven't looked too hard at those seeds back in the, in like for the profit days, the, right? That like 10 to 12 year stretch Gary had yeah. was great. The last whatever bunch wasn't great. The greatest yeah. year, senior year was painful. But yeah, we most, don't need to talk, that, talk about that. Most of it wasn't good, yeah. Go ahead, sorry yeah. I interrupted. No, I'm just saying I, I think the Alabama's game is instructive because you saw a team that had one, one – I'm not going to make any more killer jokes – but one really good basketball player and NBA talent surrounded by a bunch of guys who maybe aren't that level but were really long and athletic, and they just – Maryland just could not hang with those guys. And I feel like it's not necessarily just about recruiting guys who can win in the Big Ten because we've seen the Big Ten is a farce, right? The Big Ten, we should be in the top four of the Big Ten every year, basically. There's no excuse for it anymore. The Big Ten is a joke. It's exactly what we said it was when we were in the ACC. So, like, I expect Merrill needs to compete in the Big Ten, but they need to be able to build teams that can play with an Alabama. They might not beat them all the time, but they got to be able to play those games and be in those games. Um, and I, I think just playing with that, Alabama just sounds so wrong. It's really wrong in talking about basketball, but it, that's <sighs> that's life now in the NIL era, which again we'll we'll get into later. Um, but you could see in that game kind of where Maryland's limitations were in terms of uh, not just their talent level, but the type of talent and and the the lack of athleticism that they really need to compete and kind of take it up a notch. So in order to do that. Jeff, are they going to have the players next year to do that? Why don't you tell us who's going to be the starting lineup next year? <laughs> um, they're going to have a good lineup. They'll have a good roster. I can tell you that much. It helps that Jameer Young's coming back, right? Yeah. You know, he kind of he petered out a little bit in the postseason. It took a little shine off of it, but still, he'll be a first team, I would think, first team preseason All-Big Ten guy. And Reese. 
They might have two of them, right? Yeah, Reese is up there too, depending, you know, obviously still got Dickinson, Zach Eady. So uh, but he'll he'll be second team at worst. Um you is Edie coming back? Reese. Is Edie, Edie coming back? Edie. Um, I mean, I think there was a chance Dan Dockage posted some BS rumor the other day about him entering the portal, and Edie responded that it, it was fake news, basically. So so that that's funny. So, I can't yeah, believe I mean, can't believe Edie's Edie's chances get any better. But I yeah, mean it really is- makes sense though. It makes sense now. If you're a big seven foot twelve guy like that, and the NBA has moved away from that, so you know your prospects aren't that good. I think he was 60th in the mock draft. As dominant as he has been in college, wow. he is 60th in the mock draft. That's how much the game has moved away from that. I have no idea what Purdue's NIL situation is, but he's got to be getting 300 grand bare minimum. He's not getting 300 grand next year. Hmm. Come back for What's another the year. What's NBA minimum? I mean, he probably not, in that I don't range, think he'll be on but, an NBA roster, so it's yeah. a league minimum, which is below $100,000 unless you get a two-way contract. So for a guy like that, that's why Kofi Coburn should have done the same thing, you know, and you're seeing other guys who might be good in college but might not be first-round picks. Armando Baycott in North Carolina is coming back, which is incredible. I mean, he's a star. He's already the all-time leading rebounder in North Carolina and, and pretty high up there in scoring too. Um, yeah, the kid from Kentucky came back this year too. So yeah, maybe yeah, Shwebe, and he got supposedly like two million dollars or something like that. So very few guys are getting that money. The one million, two million, people all like to look at those stories and talk about it, and then they kind of assume that there's a lot. That's the the top point zero 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 one percentile. Otherwise, if you're a really good player, you're you're probably getting a couple, a few hundred grand somewhere but if you're not going to make it in the nba why not so now you've got that nil combined with all these guys who have this covid season waiver who can play an extra year combined with the transfer portal you put all those things together and it's just total freaking insanity right now uh which i think you know once those covid waivers expire there won't be as many of those guys with the extra year to spend like jameer young and some of these other guys but the portal is just like five new big names and then 80 other guys jumping in every day. So Maryland has plenty of guys to shop from. They already got Jameer back. They don't need a point guard now, really. So I think they need a shooting guard, clearly, and a power forward. And uh, that might be it, depending on the well, scholarship. When you say shooting guard, we expect the starting lineup to be Young and DHS is the one and two and kind of splitting the point guard duties. So when you say shooting guard, are you talking about more like a third guard or someone who would come off the bench behind DHS, Young, and Justin Moore? I mean, it's a, <laughs> I mean, if they, <laughs> Justin Moore still needs to actually enter the portal before we can really uh, talk too much about him. That- I mean, there are currently three fan bases that are convinced yeah. they are getting Justin Moore. And yeah. he has not entered the portal yet. <laughs> Maryland, North Carolina, and Syracuse. I'll yep. think that they, but I think that that's mostly fan stuff. Uh, if North Carolina really goes after him, assuming he goes in the portal, then that could get dicey because they clearly have huge money to spend. Although they didn't spend it to keep uh, Caleb Love around, who's gone. So, uh, long story short, I think that you'll probably see another transfer or two from Maryland open up a couple spots. And I Which think, have to be the big Euro guys, right? 
guys who did not play at all would be the guys. Juba and uh, uh, help me out. What's his name? Vaz. Vaz, yeah. Yeah. So if you, oh, good timing. Dare Queen? uh, Dare Queen? (laughs) That's Bob Stone. He's supposed to catch up. Oh, Bob okay. Stone wants to talk about Derek Queen. It's very weird. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, yeah, so two more guys. You can get two really good guys. I mean, you'd love to get like that Nicholas Timberlake kid from Towson, 17 a game, shot like 42% from three, but everybody in the world wants him. UCLA, I think Carolina, all these schools. So, um, you know, they'll get, I think they'll get somebody good though. It's an attractive place to play now. Their NIL situation's good. Willard's shown what he can do and, you know, it's got a, it's got some buzz going around the program that it didn't have. I saw you you put out the new transfer portal rankings, and the one that really intrigued me, because he did very well against Maryland, even though Maryland won handily, was the the forward from Minnesota, and his name is escaping me right now. Is this yeah, second uh, time in a row? What's his battle. name? Davidson Battle. Yes, Battle. That would be pretty awesome. Did they have any shot? I know it's weird to just throw out every name. And- yeah, I don't know. That's a good one. I'll have to find out if they've reached out to him. It's weird. The in, the inter, inter, interconference thing is kind of weird. Interconference thing is kind of weird. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to even like think about the idea of a conference player transferring yeah. to Maryland because it used to be a two year sit out period. Yeah, it was time. never. So yeah, it still feels weird. I don't know if they're in on him. They could be. The list is just you know, there's several so new guys on their list every day. Um, you know, obviously the kid, Chris Ledlam from Harvard was, was the first name we reported before the season ended. They, they like him a lot. You know, he would replace, uh, Dante Scott, assuming Dante Scott doesn't come back. So there's, and there's, I mean, today, Chance Westry, who was a guard who they loved as a recruit out of high school, uh, from, Har- uh, excuse me, Auburn hasn't really made a huge dent there. Still a talented kid. You can tell by the list of the schools going after him including Maryland, you know, the kid, the, there's a Dunn kid from Temple, obviously. I wonder if they'll get involved with Khalif Battle from Temple is a really good player. So there's there's a lot, there's a ton of guys out there and they only need one or two. You got to think they're going to, you know, they're going to do well given that that situation. What's your projected starting lineup? I know I asked you that and I noticed you dodged it. So I'm going to ask yeah. you again. I mean, it's obviously, so the givens are Jameer Young, Deshaun Harris-Smith is almost a short, as much as a short thing as, as a freshman can be. Julian Reese, obviously, a short thing. And then you got to figure out those other two spots, you know. So, obviously, so I would think there's a good chance both of those will be two portal guys, you know, because Dante Scott, I think, is gone. And there's not really a bench guy. You know, sometimes you have that guy who came off the bench and scored 10 points a game last year, and you know he's going to. I mean, Ian Martinez is a solid player. He's not that guy, and he's not a three or a four. So that guy really doesn't exist on the bench. So I think those two other spots are going to have to both be the portal guys. Okay. Well. And you got to replace Don Carey, who, as much as he struggled in the first half, was their best shooter during the second half. Really good at the end of the year. Yeah, and a team that doesn't really have much shooting. So whoever it is at that one spot needs to be able to shoot the three. Yeah, I, I think the one the one positive though is when you look at a backcourt, assuming that Harris Smith plays at a at an acceptable level of as a starter, which like you said, yes, he's a true freshman, but he's probably about as, you know, you can count on him showing up and being able to play as much as you can count on a freshman to do that. 
you know, having two guards who can make their own shot kind of in different ways, you know, Jameer's a small, fast guy, you know, DHS is a kind of a big bully uh, bruiser. It kind of makes you think they might be able to, especially with Ian Martinez, who can come off the bench and make his own shot as well. Certainly can do some stuff off the bounce. It makes you feel a little bit better about Maryland's ability to kind of create things in this Willard ISO heavy offense. Um, but they definitely need some guys who can shoot because there's really nobody on the roster who's known as a dead eye shooter. Obviously, Kaiser is, is a good shooter yeah. coming in. If he's good enough to play defense at this level and, and kind of fit in, um, Bachelor came in with reputation. So maybe, you know, the game slows down for him a little bit and he can get some minutes. There's really nobody out there you can count on to be a consistent three point shooter. And as we've seen in college basketball, I mean, that's it feels like half the game these days. I shouldn't have left Kaiser out of that mix. He could start. He's probably got a, you know, he's he, he can shoot it. He's real tough. I wouldn't be shocked if he started. He, he's probably got a 50% chance of starting uh, at the three or maybe. At least in the conversation, right? You could yeah, go small at the four with him if you had to. I mean, he'll play regardless of whether he starts. He's going to get, he seems like a guy will get 20 minutes a game as a freshman, unless they just somehow, you know, load up with stars who are playing 32 minutes a game. Yep, and if Lamoth can give you anything off the bench, too, that's just bonus, right? So, I mean, the depth-wise, it's not so bad. Like, yeah, you'd like to get that other two-guard, three-man in here, but it's really about that power forward to me. You got to you gotta get somebody who can who can be, you know, that kind of jumping jack who can really stretch the – help with the spacing a little bit. You know, people were joking about that whole, you know, uh, what's-his-name, Dickinson from Michigan transferring to play with his DeMatha buddies. I'm trying to imagine a lineup with with Dickinson and uh, and Reese and and Reese together like it's you know 1992 or something all over again. You end up with those three Dematha guys in Maryland. Paul's going to order those sex pods and, and just for himself and I and watch games. I would have to get off the pod. I'd have to recuse myself from the podcast for a while. Yeah, which would be no, great news. Great news for everybody else. Um, no, well, but, the the question is if they played well. Or if they played poorly, because yeah. <laughs> that would change very dramatically your your situation. It would be way too much pressure for me. <laughs> if you have that lineup, like, they're going to play well most nights. Yeah. Like, I, the other thing about the roster, I feel like you could use a springy backup center. The problem is it feels pretty clogged there since you've taken two developmental guys with Swan Roger this year and Braden Pierce next year. So that's. I mean, I, I'm not sure what their exact thinking. I assume the thinking is that Swan Roger will be ready to play some decent minutes next year as a backup, you know, whether that's like 12, 13, whatever minutes per game. Because of those two, I don't think you can really go get unless you have three guys leave, uh, which you never know, but it's unlikely. You don't really have the space to get a backup center, so you just got to be a little more selective uh, positionally and get that four that Paul was saying and the, sh- the shooter. Well, the hope for me, right, is that that CSR and Pierce become what Ravaz and Zuba are right now, like you know, guys at the end of the bench, but still good enough to fight for minutes if they're if they're there. I mean, you, you just can't have a lot of un- unplayable guys. I kind of like Swan and Roger. Back at the five next year, you don't have Patrick Amelia next anymore, so someone's got to fill those minutes. Yeah, Swan Roger, he he's got like a little 
like chutzpah to him, right? Like, he and does. then the play in the Alabama you, game. You sounded like my mom, Larry. What the chutzpah? <laughs> yeah. the, the, the play in the Alabama game when he got the board and he went back up. I mean, if he'd have made that layup, it would have been so good. I mean, they went how long and they missed like eight layups in a row. That was just one of them. But that play That's he made, I was like, That's dang, that, that was a, he was fighting for that. I kind of like that. I know he doesn't have the ability, but I feel like, you know, someone who plays hard, like that and with that size, he could contribute maybe. And definitely within two years, I feel like he could, you know, get some quality minutes. Yeah, the game was definitely a little too a little too fast for him at this yeah. point. But I mean, you know, he certainly to 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 quote the board, he's got that dog in him. You know, what I mean, <laughs> like he's yeah, I mean, he he's a he's a tough kid, man. Nobody like walks around, nobody walks around with a mullet like that without without having some confidence and some uh, some want to. As yeah, they he say. needs to do all he needs to just become a full NBA Live create a player and yeah. add, look at like a, a headband and a Fu Manchu with the with the mullet. Some like neck tattoos, like yeah, just just get tattoos. weird with it. Yeah, he really should. Just he should do that. We got YOLO. four minutes until we are going to be joined by our guest, Harry Geller, who runs the men's basketball NIL collectives. And we're going to ask him a lot about the NIL situation. So that's coming up within four minutes. We got a couple before we do that. We have a couple comments in the in the chat I wanted to get to. One was over under number of elite eights in the next ten years. Over under one point five. You got to hope for over. Hope for I over, mean, but what's your? But realistically, if you, I mean, it's hard with Maryland because you know they're capable of doing it, and Willard seems like he's capable of getting in there. But I mean, they. <laughs> Like it's one thing to only have gone to the two final fours ever for a program that good. You think they should have some more or whatever, but those are also the only two elite eights, right? No, they they yeah. had in the seventies. They, they had one, uh, yeah, one during Rizal's years. During, okay, yeah, during the modern, they, uh, but they had to win like one game. To exactly, get that's when you started in the elite eight. Yeah, <laughs> right. so it's a in the modern setup, they have two elite eights ever. Those two final four years, so it's I'm, just crazy. And then you watch. We've said it a million times. You watch the tournament every year. You see Princeton, FAU, and whatever year it's like Stephen F. Austin and George Mason. All these teams. Going. Saint Peter's is the one with the nun. Is that who that was? Saint, Saint no, that was, no, that was Loyola Chicago. Oh, Loyola sorry, Chicago. That's another good one. All <laughs> yeah. these teams, not just going to Sweet Sixteens, but Elite Eights and Final Fours. And Maryland can't even buy its way to the Sweet Sixteen. It's really crazy. You know, yeah, here, but but maybe that changes with Willard. So it's incredible. Yeah. I'm it's gonna say over. Bad, bad I luck. I think they're on the verge of a eight to ten year run here. That's going to be similar to Gary's. I'm not saying they're going to win a championship, but I think they're going to be a Final Four contender in a bunch of years. Let me let me I think let he's me going to get there. Let me answer it this way. I th- I think it should be over. Um, and if it's not. Then he needs to be gone by the end of that period. By the end of ten years, yeah. yeah. Well, is he going to have mean, a ten-year period where? <laughs> I mean, uh, we just we just lived through turgatory, and I don't know if I can handle that again. Well, so. listen, people said the same thing about Gary, except it was a Sweet Sixteen. If you remember that, like he couldn't get past yep. the Sweet Sixteen, but then he did. So <laughs> then he did. <laughs> so, I was sitting there right now on message boards, like twenty years old. Gary's never going to get past the Sweet Sixteen. I remember it. Yeah. Well, Dude, after after that Francis year, I was I was like, man, it's just not happening. Harry like, Geller's it's just here. not happening. Harry's joining us. Let me let him into All the right. chat here. Hey guys, how you doing, Harry? Good, Professor. Thank you for joining us. 
You are? We are? Oh, I'm Larry. Larry we, have, nice. we have Paul and Jeff here as well. I think you know Jeff. Nice to meet yes, you. Very well. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Paul. Pleasure's mine. Yeah, Rudy. So some really big news at Maryland. Jameer Young just announced he's coming back to the program. And I think you had something to do with that, right? You're, do you have any like behind the scenes stories about how that all happened? Yeah, I'll, I'll t- you want to tell me, you know, um, uh, Jameer's mom, Aisha, called me uh, and said, I need to meet with you. So um, I had a relationship with her in the last year and, and uh, get along with her well. And um, I called Coach Willard and said, you know, she called me. I, I kind of got to go meet her. Is that all right? You know, because I always try to run, run anything by him. He's like, yeah. Yeah, go. And, um, you know, we had breakfast at the College Park Diner. Jameer came also. And she's just like, you know, we love it here, but, you know, they won't talk numbers with us. And uh, I was like, well, they're not allowed to talk numbers. But um, here's, you know, based on the market analysis of Jameer in the year, and we've been getting a lot of calls from people wanting him to do appearances and stuff. I said, you know, he, here's the number we can we can give him this year. And if you guys agree to it, you know, um, that would be great. And, you know, we went back and forth. She wanted a few little things here and there. But for the most part, um, you know, I just said to Jameer, um, you know, there's kind of two ways to look at this. And one is that you get a huge check from a place you don't know where um, you could go there and the coach could decide he don't like you and not play you. And uh, you're getting a nice fat check and, you know, you have a miserable year uh, or you could come here for probably less money and be, you know, a two year legend, a mile from your high school where your three brothers and sisters and mom and aunt can come see you all the time. And, you know, your name will be in the rafters. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you which one to take, but that's sort of the way you want to look at. Well, well done with that recruitment job. Very good that we have that situation in place at Maryland. One thing I, I would, I kind of want to get off like right out of the, out of the gate is explaining your, your title that you said to us was the, it was a men's basketball for NIL collectives, plural. So what does it mean? NIL collectives, how does turtle NIL fit into that? What is your role in the process? Just explain that whole thing to us. Okay. So when, um, they, uh, when it was announced that uh, the NIL name, image, and likeness can um, uh, be allowed, uh, Mark Turgeon came to me and you know pretty much said, "Look, I, I don't know what to do with this." And I was like, "Look, let, let's you know, let's get the four or five top boosters, which you know I'm one of them, you know, together." And um, we decided, well, uh, you know, the, the names everyone knows, but uh, it was five of us. We formed a direct marketing agency called Turtle NIL. We're all on the board. Um, I volunteered to run it. And, you know, our original premise was to try to find marketing deals uh, for the players and raise some money to help support that effort. And, you know, the, the first year, was, it was kind of working. We were finding stuff for Fats and Eric Ayala and, uh, you know, a few little things for uh, Julian and a few other guys here and there. And, you know, they, they were making a couple grand a month and they were very happy with it. And, um, you know, then Mark uh, abruptly quit in December. And when Danny took over, he just called me and said, look, I, I, you know, I, I can barely keep this team together. I, 
I don't need a NIL distraction. Can you just kind of cool it? And, you know, at that point I, I had already had enough. So I was like, you know, certainly. And so, you know, we, we wound out a few deals that Eric and uh, Fats had and, um, that was pretty much it for the NIL. And then when Kevin came on board, you know, he called me immediately and was like, look, I don't know anything about NIL, but, you know, I need you to help me with this. So uh, we all, and it wasn't just me, it was, you know, the uh, four of the board members, we all re-engaged in it, met with Kevin, kind of walked him through how it worked. And then at that point, we started seeing, and I think Ohio State was one of the first ones to do it, but that... Um, 501c3 registered with the IRS can you can pay players to do charitable events and we saw that as a um, you know a not only easier way to raise money but you know sort of a double benefit for the player in the community to go out you know we target mainly underprivileged schools so um, they go to underprivileged schools. They, you know, talk to the kids. Dante brought some of his books there, uh, signed them. They sign autographs. They shoot baskets. Uh, and we pay them to do that. And that, that was just a better way to run it. So we had to keep that separate from Turtle NIL. So uh, with, we added another uh, board member, a well-known guy, and uh, had some experience with those. We formed the 501c3 Turtle Athletic Foundation. So... You know, now we sort of promote both. People can donate to either. Some people want to write big checks and get tax deductions, and some would rather go through Turtle NIL and, um, you know, have uh, support and merchandise. Uh, you know, they, they, it's not tax deductible because there's goods and services exchanged. So, you know, we have something for uh, either, either one, and they're run completely separately, um, you know, but we all have our hands in both. Does that help? That help explain it? It does. That was very yeah, good. That's Thank you. Really okay. helpful. So people are um, very. It's such a new dynamic, the whole NIL marketplace, and basically free agency. So how can you explain how uh, how you determine what a player is worth in NIL? Yeah, and it's you know very inexact science. And if any of you saw that, I forgot the quarterback's name, Rashad, something that was going to get to thirteen million dollar. Um, the list of stuff they asked him to do was like what we have our players do every single month. And that was, that was it for the contracts. So I'm like, wow, <laughs> we're severely undervaluing our guys. But, um, you know, we, we like, we look at, uh, you know, my son's a social media influencer and he's helped me with metrics and we, you know, look at followings and stuff and say, okay, you know, what would be the market value of a Julian Reese compared to a Jahari long. And, you know, obviously, uh, both really nice guys and good players, but one, you know, from a marketing perspective is worth a lot more than the other one. So then we try to, you know, put a value on that. And then we, um, you know, we just got a call this afternoon about someone wanting uh, Jameer and Julian to come speak. And, you know, we gave them a number for that and they didn't balk at it. So, you know, it's an inexact science, but we, we sort of just kind of look at a social media value, name value. And, you know, obviously the, two or three big stars are, you know, going to command more money. You know, if we you know, put out a t-shirt of everyone on the team, you know, two or three guys would sell the most t-shirts as, as you know, Jeff. So it, it's an inexact science. We run everything by um, compliance. We run everything by open doors and they, they have helped us with, you know, how we value things. And, and open doors told me, you know, uh, that, 
some schools are just doing crazy things, you know, <laughs> paying $75,000 for an autograph appearance. We're paying a hundred dollars or $500. I just find that hard to believe yeah. in, the, in the scrupulous world of, of college athletics. I mean, I, I, mean I, I, I bet Paul, you couldn't even think of the names of the schools that are doing that either. No, there's no <laughs> chance I could, I could name them immediately and see you nod your head. Um, I do want to ask, uh, you know, all of this is so new. And I know you guys are kind of flying by the seat of your pants and doing as best you can. I'm curious because, I, you know, there seems like there's almost two different jobs here, right? Because for one, you really want to try and take care of our current players, guys who are already here, who have an established marketing value and trying to make, you know, help them make the most they can off of their own uh, marketing and likeness and whatnot. But then you've got this whole thing when it comes to high school recruits or portal recruits. How do you guys on your end of things kind of handle dealing with like, okay, you know, guy who's in the transfer portal, you know, do they come to you first and say, Hey, what can you, you know, what do you think I'm worth? Or, or is it more of a collaborative, you know, situation or or how does that work on your end? Yeah, no, we don't. um, First of all, I'm not allowed to, nor do I talk to anyone who hasn't enrolled. Okay. So the recruits are out. Yeah, they're out. Okay. I've had plenty of recruits, parents call me and I'm just like, look, when he enrolls, you know, uh, I'll be happy to run you through how it all works. And, you know, I'm a man of my word, but, uh, you know, uh, we could all get in trouble. Yeah, fair enough. See, I don't even know the rules at this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'm a retired, very successful business guy. And, you know, last thing I want to do is get myself or the school or the coach in any trouble whatsoever, right. or a player. So I'm. You know, I, uh, I'm sure some people don't care and that's fine. Like my dad used to always say, if you know, cousin Frank jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? And you know, <laughs> of course not. So anyway, um, so, uh, so a lot of times the coaches might come to me and say, you know, Hey, we got a guy in the transfer portal. He's, you know, he's thrown numbers out to us. Is there a value there that we could justify? And I, I'll just give them my, honest opinion on it. And sometimes, yes, there is. And sometimes, no, there isn't. And, you know, the, the coaches are pretty good about uh, towing the line and they don't want uh, anyone who only wants to come here for money and for no other reason. You know, they, they think there's plenty of uh, people out there that, um, you know, want to come here because it's University of Maryland, it's Big Ten, it's great coaching, it's a great atmosphere. And having some money is also helpful. You're talking about, I, I was going to ask something else, but I want to piggyback off of that a little bit. Do you have, and I'm not going to ask you to give like specifics, but do you have a budget that you're working with? We have X amount of money that's been donated and we can spend X amount this year. We got to partition it out some for next year. Or is it a case where, hey, we got this kid, we need to raise this for this kid or get this kind of promotion for this kid, whatever. Well, it's kind of both. I mean, you know, we, we have, you know, money we've raised and, you know, I'll, if you want to ask me later what the big challenges are, it's all, you know, always a sustainable, you know, funding model is our biggest challenge, but um, we, you know, roughly know what we can spend on, you know, each player for the year and what our budget's going to be. And, you know, uh, Jameer announced yesterday, uh, you know, it's a great fanfare. He's coming back. We've got tons of donations. We had big people, big name people calling us saying, we're all in now. Uh, you know, I talked to Kevin Willard this morning. I said, I sort of underestimated uh, not Jameer as a person, but just 
you know, the value of him coming back within the fanfare. I mean, the boards went crazy, you know, you know, again, we got 75 or 80 donations. We had big people calling us saying they're all in, you know, what do you want? So, you know, it was a, you know, it was a uh, great move. He's a great kid and we couldn't be happier about it. So Harry, any, um, any roster, other developments or anything else people should know right now about, NIL wise at Maryland or the roster, any anything like that? You know, I, I think everyone knows he's, you know, probably gonna bring a few transfers in and you know the the roster's starting to get settled now. We were they were, you know, Jameer was the big one. And, you know, uh, again, he wanted to come back. They wanted him back. So I'm just happy that one worked out. And uh, you know, whatever part we all played in it, you know, it is for the better. And um, you know, there's two or three guys that are, that are leaving or left already and announced. So, you know, we know those names. So, um, you know, I think the, uh, I can't speak for the coach or the players, but I think the rest of the roster is pretty much set right now. And, um, uh, you know, I know they have some transfers that, you know, were just, they were sort of just waiting to get the roster settled and they're really deciding in the next few days, okay, you know, who are they going to offer transfers to to come in? So I think you should be hearing something in the next three or four days. And then a quick follow-up, like this might be more of a question for Willard, but um, how hard is it? I've always wondered how there's not, and there might be, like beef in the locker rooms and jealousy. One guy, oh, like I'm sure they discuss what they're getting. Is it hard to be like when they come at you and say, oh, he got this much more than me, and they come and then and the next guy's coming back. How hard is that to manage, you know, so everybody's getting their fair share, but it's not just constant negotiating based on others? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's an interesting question because um, one of the coaches, was uh, Tony, was at Ohio State a couple of years ago, um, said there was a fight in the locker room over that, you know, by a big-name guy. And, you know, they had to break the fight up. And we haven't had that at all. I don't think, you know, I, I talk to the coaches about it a lot because I'm always, you know, concerned about, you know, keeping harmony. And, you know, again, I don't, I'm a fan. I don't want to do anything that screws anything up. You know, I, I would – for just sitting in my seats and cheering them on. So um, we haven't had that probably. And we, I don't think the players talk to each other and we don't really publicize numbers. Some places do, but you know, we don't think that's good. Um, I, when you asked the question, I said it was interesting because, you know, Illinois had more of a, um, from what I understand, a more socialist model where kind of everyone was getting a pretty good chunk. And they're having, it seems like, a big implosion right now. I'm not exactly sure what's going on. So when I was talking to Kevin today, I'm like, well, you know, uh, unfortunately for, for Coach Underwood, <laughs> that one didn't work, but I'm glad we didn't try it that way. You know, and, no, that's, that's <laughs> like, I, you know, this is all brand new to all of us. And, you know, we're, we're smart business people. We're fans. We're trying to muddle through it and do the right thing. And um, that's what's going on. But, you know, so far we've had, you know, players are appreciative. Anytime we ask any player to go do an appearance, they respond right away. They do it. They, you know, thank us when we send them the money. They're just really appreciative people. So um, I, th I think overall um, paying these kids, uh, you know, which a lot come from underprivileged backgrounds, and this is meaningful or life-changing money to them, I think it's a great thing. I'm really happy, you know, to be part of it. And I'm happy we can do it. And I think most of the coaches – are happy the players are getting paid. I just don't think most of the coaches really like the whole uncertainty of the situation. I mean, it's, you know, imagine from, you know, Kevin 
told me the other day is like, you know, usually after the season ends, you know, you get three weeks, you haven't seen your family in six months, you get three weeks for their family. But, you know, we got, we're in the middle of the transfer portal right now. We don't even have one day, you know? So you just think about a coach who's been around for 25 years and how things have changed the last two years. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. We were laughing about the idea of Gary trying to coach through this. I think, (laughs) I think it would kill him. Um, <laughs> Gary's happy with what Gary's doing right now. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Gary, would, Gary would say, how many national championships has Jameer Young's mom won? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she might help us win one this year. Next year. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask, uh, it, it kind of in the same vein, because I, I know you've been around for a long time, and, and, and Maryland, like other programs, has always had a, a Friends of Gary or some sort of outside group of, of like-minded boosters who've been able to – come up with cash when they need it for, you know, recruiting budgets or, or various shortfalls and things. Have you been able to see a migration of those donors and those longtime supporters into the NIL scope, or is that still kind of an ongoing function? And then secondly, if you're just like, you know, Joe fans sitting on the inside MarylandSports.com message boards thinking, how can I help? What's the easiest way for them to do that? Uh, answering the second uh, question first, uh, donate to the Turtle NIL Club. You know, do a monthly donation. If you, you, you know, we have it. I think as low as you know twenty dollars. And I know you know some of these guys are students and, and women are students and can't even afford that. But you know that would be the first place is Turtle NIL Club. You'll get some you know gear and swag and be in on things. If not, just a one-time donation to Turtle NIL or the Athletic Foundation you know, is a way to help. And, you know, believe me, you know, a $120 uh, donation doesn't move the needle, but we, if we get thousands of them, it moves the needle. And, you know, we have hundreds and hundreds of them, you know, Jeff's done a good job of promoting us. And we've probably, what, what, what did I tell you, Jeff, about two or 300, you know, individual donors from 247? Yeah, somewhere in that yeah. range. You know, and we got, what, another 85 yesterday. So, I mean, you know, it, Florida, you know, makes like $6 million a year off their club, you know, and that funds a lot of stuff. And, you know, your first question, you know, we have really seen now because, you know, Maryland, uh, you know, everyone loves football and I'm, I'm a donor to, you know, coach Mike and, and uh, support that program and love it. And, uh, but a lot of people just want to donate to sports specific things. And, you know, Maryland, particularly uh, it's basketball. And so we're getting, uh, and I've had this talk with, you know, Damon and Cheryl and Kirby Mills. And I'm like, you know, in a way, I'm sorry that, you know, the dollar I'm getting isn't the dollar you're getting. But in another respect, if this is what people want to do, then, you know, we should be taking the money. Because for one sport is better than not getting it at all, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, a robust NIL program is going to help us a lot more than a practice facility. Cur 100%. Yeah, four years ago. Got it from the rafters. <laughs> yeah, but, but it is now. And, I, you know, to his credit, da- Damon has been, you know, he's – his hands are tied about how much he can do, but he, he's been extremely of, and, uh, of us. And uh, Daryl Pines has been as well. And, you know, um, we're going to con- continue on. And, you know, the more – uh, as laws change and the more stuff the athletic department can do to help us, they're going to do it. You know, he, he's seen, um, you know, the impact Kevin Willard has had this year, really, you know, turning the program around, turning the, the um, spirit and, and, you know, uh, filling up the arena and everything. And the athletic director has seen all that. So 
wow, we're on to something here. We were, you know, I got to help them out as much as possible. So he's been good. And, you know, I read a lot on 247 that, you know, people say Kevin doesn't like NIL and is not engaged. And, you know, to defend him, he doesn't like NIL like no coach likes NIL other than the five or six guys that got away with cheating all the time. Because it's just, you know, it's more work. It's it's roster management things you never had to worry about before. But he, he fully embraces it. Anytime I ask him to call call someone to help help with, you know, trying to get some money, he's in on it. Um, he, you know, he he embraces it completely. He he's not, you know, ignoring it or wishing that it, it would go away. That's certainly good to hear. And I certainly yeah. I'm I I can't even imagine being a basketball head coach while all this is going on because the work just never stops. It ne- no. never stops and you know, it, it, it's like I said, when they, you know, when they decided to allow uh, NIL, it's like, man, I'm really happy for the players, but this might ruin my favorite sport. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that, you know? No, and I mean, there's hearings going on in, in Congress right now. I mean, everyone's sticking their hand in it. And like, who knows where this is going to wind up? Yeah. You know, and then, you know, if, if the NCAA starts paying the players, then, you know, what about the women's volleyball team? And are they employee? I mean, there's so many layers of onion that who knows where it's going to net out. But in the meantime, uh, like Kevin said, if it was if it wasn't for NIL, we wouldn't have fielded the team this year. So you know, yeah. he's very happy with it. And if they're paying the players, then uh, there's going to be tax issues. How how many of them are like not paying taxes on the NIL? That's all going to start happening. <laughs> Don't answer <right>? that. <laughs> that's that's going to start happening. They're going to well, be I- like tax evasion stuff. It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm sure it is, and I can't answer whether they're paying it up. We, <laughs> You're we not, talk, doing, not, doing, not filing it all for them? No, we, we talk to the kids. The uh, Open Doors gives them tax counseling. We talk to the parents. We send them 1099s. You know, we tell them, not just me, but, you know, there's four or five of us running this, even though uh, um, my name's out there, so the FBI knows where to find, you know, find <laughs> one of them. And, you know, I just – talking to one player's mom a few minutes ago and, you know, about a 1099 and, and uh, Maryland actually has a tax preparation service for any student. Um, And I'm encouraging them to use that, but no, I, I, we we're on them about taxes. That's good. Some of the, I'll just add one more thing. Some of the bigger guys, you know, were um, uh, suggesting them they form LLCs and, and, you know, become their own court, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, so-and-so enterprises and, you know, so yep. they can write off taxes and, you know, kind of keep the records the right way. So, you know, we're on top of it, but, you know, like anyone else uh, at the end of the day, they have the right to check the IRS. And we, <laughs> we don't for that, so. Yeah. I've been advocating for, for a while, just the, the money that the schools are getting, just pay the players, have a collective bargaining agreement, have contracts, have the whole thing. And then, if they be basically essentially become employees, why do they even have to go to class? <laughs> the the load is the road is long right? and winding like, on what? this topic. I imagine they're just. <laughs> well, I know they're going to class because I tried to meet with Julian this morning. He was in class, and like, all right, keep him in there. Good, that's, good, for that's him. good. That's good news. That means we'll he's that. coming back. That means he's <laughs> yeah. coming back. I mean, all right, he's a professor. He's also an academic at Maryland. He's a professor at the business school, so he's got it. He's got that. That's right. Uh, yeah, I teach entrepreneurship part time. So I uh, it's good. Do, do a lecture series. So um yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been great. I mean, I, I uh semi-retired, but uh, I've enjoyed learning about NIL. It's frustrating at times, but you know, I really 
enjoy helping the players, helping the coaches. Um, you know, people appreciate it. it it's it, and I've sort of become a de facto expert on a very unknown subject. So it's been interesting there too. Harry, we end every interview by playing a game called fill in the blank. I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions. You say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. Here we go. The one thing you'd most like to change about the NIL system is. Uh, Guardrails. Your three favorite Terps of all time are. Let me note that. Let me note that Walt Williams is a frequent guest on this program. Yeah. Well, (laughs) Uh, Walt Williams. <laughs> he is. So Walt's a friend, and I, I love Walt. Uh, Gary Williams and Juan Dixon. Okay. Farthest Maryland will go under Kevin Willard will be? A national championship. We hope Mark you're right. The Mark the tape. So we will. We'll, we'll play this back. Break the win. shirts. Your favorite Maryland game of all time is? We need to um, add some history, so we thought. not including the national championship because that's too easy. Yeah, that is too easy. I would say um, that the game, and I was at I forget, it was against Duke when when Blake picked uh, Jason Williams' pocket. Oh, he steal. Yep. That's yeah, a good one. Yeah, yep. I, lo- I was in tears. I loved that game so much. We All needed right. that after the result the year before. Last- yeah, right, right, and that was why I was. Yeah, so yes. Last one, the starting five on next year's team will be? Uh, this is just my guess, but it'll be uh, Jameer, Julian, uh, Deshaun. Who am I missing? So That's where it gets tough right there. Hakeem's gone. Dante's gone. Justin uh, Moore. Uh, Jamie Kaiser <laughs> and a uh, transfer four. All right, we. I was. I was threw that out. I was going to see if you were going to maybe you know throw in a couple of names there that maybe you're. We had no, to try. I, I, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know the names. I, I really don't <laughs> talk names with the coaches. You know. Yeah. At all. Uh, you know, when we talk, it's uh, you know, power forward transfer one, guard transfer <laughs> two. Yeah. Like that. I don't want to know. I mean, I, I you know. The last thing the coaches want is a, a booster getting, you know, yeah, too getting in trouble. Yeah. yeah. No, not in trouble, just getting too involved in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let the coaches do their job. Harry, we asked one more thing. If everybody comes to the show, could you do us a favor and say, This is Harry Geller, and you're listening to IMS Radio? This is Harry Geller, and you're listening to IMS Radio. Thank you, Harry. It's been very right. informative. We love yeah. this. It's good yeah. stuff. Anyone yeah. listening to this who got any questions, just, you know, uh, Post yeah. them on the boards and I'll get to them. I'm pretty how, good. How can people get involved? Where, what website should they go to? All that kind of just go to 24 7 Sports. Yeah, 24 7 Sports. The, the, he links it all to turtlenil.com. Yeah. Um, okay. Great. Please donate. It'd be great. <laughs> Thanks, Thank Harry. That was, uh, that was really informative and, and we really appreciate it. We might have to call on you again when some of these things go through. Anytime. Anytime. You know especially, any- when national, especially when we win the national championship. You know anything oh, about the uh, football NAL situation? Uh, no, I, I know it's, it's well run. I know, you know, Kevin Plank's been involved and, uh, the, the guy running it, Dan Crowley, good guy knows what he's doing. Um, you know, I, I think they're raising some good money and they're sort of following the same model. I mean, there's really not a lot of rocket science to this. You know, you find uh, charitable deals for the players, you send them, you know, you're 
seeing some posts and uh, you know, I, I think it's great. I'm, you know, I'm going to support it as well. Okay. I urge everyone else to support it. All right. Thank you, Harry. Right. Thank you for take joining care. us. All right. Take care. Bye. -bye. Thanks, All right. Thanks a lot. Yep. All right. He's trying to get out of there. Yeah, get me out of here. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I was hoping we'd get another Gary. Uh, the phone will be upside down. And like <laughs> I need an eject button. I, I think I have it, actually. Yeah, you oh, I do. do I do. I have an awkward moment where it seems like we're all waiting till they leave so we can talk shit about them. <laughs> I, they're, not, <laughs> they're not actually going to do that, but it feels like that's... It could. Like, like that's why everybody's silent. Yeah, it just feels like, hey, right, wait till they leave the room. You know. I just realized I do have a, a reject yeah. button. So guess what, Paul? Uh, all right. I'm, I, that's fine. See ya. Bye. Are right. you discovering that after all this time? <laughs> uh, I just, I just ejected Paul. That's so good. Oh, all right. I will be good to end anyway. I don't I don't have a bit I don't have a, a show ending segment this time. I was slammed all day and I didn't no, get me too. I have an eight, so I'm glad you're saying that. I, I'm <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm I'm if Paul's watching now, I'm not gonna do that again. It was just a spontaneous fun thing to do. No, I, won't, do I won't do that again. I won't do that again. All right, anyway. All right, that was awesome. Thank you, Harry Geller, who runs Turtle NIL. Everybody, please donate. And everybody, please. Do us a favor and click that subscribe button for us. Subscribe to IMS Radio. We're trying to get over a thousand on YouTube. What did I say? No, you didn't say anything. I'm, I'm oh, subscribe on YouTube. Yeah. Podcast. yeah, go to YouTube and subscribe. Yeah, if you're listening, go to YouTube, please, and subscribe for us. We're trying to get over a thousand and then a whole bunch of things open up in terms of monetization, and there's other things you can do too. So that would be very much appreciated. Thanks to everybody in the chat room for participating. We very much appreciate that. It's the off season now. I don't know when we'll come back. Seems like a bunch of stuff's going to happen in the next week or so. So, you know, maybe there'll be enough news for us to come back next week. Maybe in a couple of weeks, don't know. But we will make it very widely known for you guys. And we will see you next time. This is IMS Radio.